Well, welcome to our Bible 45 lesson and class on prayer. We've entitled this one, A House of Prayer for the Nations. And this evening, we want to do something a little bit different with prayer. Perhaps you're used to personal level, and tonight is certainly that. It's not less than that. We are assuming personal prayer. We're assuming you're praying privately. Uh, But what we're going to talk about tonight is corporate prayer. And the context for that corporate prayer is our mission. So I suppose you could call this missional prayer. Although I suspect and I think what this text that we're going to study is teaching us is that in the New Testament, I think that this is how they prayed corporately. And certainly open to uh, those that would want to maybe ask some questions about that afterwards. What I'm going to be teaching is is new. It's new for me. Uh, it's not something I normally have taught. I'm going to teach out of Isaiah on prayer. Typically, we're going to preach on prayer. We're going to we're going to teach out of you know the Lord's Prayer, which we did just a couple of weeks ago. Corey did a wonderful Bible 45 on prayer. I believe it was out of Philippians or some of the prayers in the New Testament in the epistles. So typically what we're talking about is, all right, how did the early church pray? And typically we're talking about a prayer that is like, I'm anxious, so I want to pray for peace, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. That's very appropriate. But tonight we're going to talk about a corporate prayer around God's call for us to be a house of prayer. So I'd like to invite you to go to our text. It's in Matthew 56, beginning in verse 1. I want to read that. Yeah, excuse me, Isaiah. Thank you. I want to read that, and I want to make a biblical point, or at least a biblical case, for this corporate prayer around God's call for us to be a house of prayer for the nation. So, so what we're talking about is God's call to the nations and God's call on his people to be a house of prayer for the nations. And this is a missional call. This is a missional prayer. Now, you're going to recognize in verse 7, I want you to see if you recognize this, that Jesus quotes verse 7. So I want you to be thinking about where he quoted verse 7. So here we go. Isaiah 56, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, 
and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Where is verse 7 quoted and by whom? All right, when Jesus drove the money changers from the temple, and for extra credit, and maybe even a Starbucks that I'll pay for personally, you have three seconds to tell me what chapter and what verse. Matthew 7. <laughs> Matthew 7? I thought you said 97. I'm sorry. <laughs> My hearing is going, Cassie. Matthew 7 is what you're saying? All right, I'll give one person one more chance. All right, turn to Matthew 21. Now, David, did you know you were just being kind? Uh, Okay, all right, I just was wondering. Because you got it right. Matthew 21, verse 13. Actually, we'll start in verse 12. Matthew 21, 12. Jesus cleanses the temple. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. So let's now go back to Isaiah 56 and let us review what we're doing here. We're making a case from Isaiah 56 that corporate prayer is around God's call for us to be a house of prayer for the nations. We're emphasizing corporate prayer tonight. And this corporate prayer that we would be a house of prayer for the nations is because God calls the nations to himself. Now let me try to explain that to you from Isaiah 56. If you remember, Isaiah has three parts. First part, Isaiah 1 to 39 is God's judgment on his people around 700 B.C. because they have disobeyed his law. And he tells them that shortly I'm going to throw you out of the land and shortly enemies are going to come in and destroy the temple. That's in fact what happened. Isaiah is a prophecy. So he's speaking to God's people. Then in Isaiah chapters 40 to 55, God speaks hope to his people these people that are in exile, these people that have been judged because of their sin, and he promises them a savior. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. We all know those scriptures very well. He was wounded for our transgressions. And then, starting in Isaiah 56, Isaiah is going to prophesy long-term. This is the text right now. And Isaiah is going to tell Israel, I want you to be a house of prayer Because I have other people, not just Israelites, that are my people from the nations. If you look at the text we just read, it talks a lot about foreigners. It talks a lot about eunuchs, 
These are people, foreigners and eunuchs, who typically would not be allowed to go into the temple. If you're a foreigner, you're a Gentile, you can't go into the temple. If you're a eunuch, that means you can't have children, you cannot go near the temple. These these are people that would be rejected by God, according to the Jew. God says, I'm actually going to call those people from all the nations, and I'm going to bring them in to my people. And what he was saying to Israel is this, I gave you the covenant, the very covenant that you've broken, that I'm going to judge you for, the very covenant that I'm going to re, I'm going to bring you back, I'm going to redeem you, I'm going to send a savior, this covenant of salvation, this seed of the woman who's going to come through the Jews, who's going to save not only you, but all the world, this Messiah, I'm going to do that, but here's, here's the surprising thing. And I've got other people that are not Jews, that are my people, I'm going to save them. And therefore, I want you to be a house of prayer for the nations. That's why Jesus, 700 years later, goes into the temple and he says, you've turned this temple, which should be a house of prayer for the nations, into a a, a den of robbers. You're, You're ripping people off with their sacrifices. Because he's saying you've missed the calling. You've missed the purpose of 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 God gathering a people. This is very important. It is this call, according to your notes here, God the Father's call grounds our prayers in God's will to gather his people from all the nations. Here's what I feel from the Holy Spirit. Not just me, but Corey and I have been talking about this. That as we talk about prayer, this, this today and this week as we're going to do prayer and fasting, I think it's linked with the mission of making disciples because today we have the command to go and make disciples of the nations, people that are lost from all over the world that we're called to go reach with the gospel. And Jesus is saying to us, I think, from Isaiah 56, and from these other texts we're going to look at, that the reason we don't do evangelism is that we don't pray. Stay with me for a second. I think that prayer and corporate prayer does something to us that overcomes our fear of evangelism, overcomes our apathy at times, overcomes our busyness. When we pray together, this corporate missional prayer, I think it's going to fuel our evangelism. So I'm just talking to you from the heart. That's an area that we can grow in as a church, evangelism. But I don't think you can pull apart evangelism from prayer. Sometimes that happens, right? We make prayer a very personal, there's a term for this, pietistic thing. I have my quiet time, I read my Bible. That's good. You should do that. But we separate it from evangelism. That's where we go out and preach the gospel. I think Isaiah 56, when he says we're to be a house of prayer for the nations, I think what Jesus is going to teach us later on in the next couple of lessons unites the two. And I think this is perhaps what God is calling us to grow in. So so you would pray more. That's a good thing. So that you'd be more godly. Okay? But we pray more together so God would give us the faith and the vision and the power to actually go make disciples, to open our mouths with the gospel. That's what the Jews missed in Isaiah's time. 
They thought, hey, we're the Jews. We have the covenant. We're hoarding it. It's us. Forget you guys. That's what the Jews in Jesus' time did. We have the temple, even though there was a court of the Gentiles. There was a place in the temple where the Gentiles would be able to listen and and observe. But they had forgotten that. So they thought, we're Jews, and the Messiah is a Jewish Messiah, and, and forget the nations. And Jesus rebuked them. He said, no, no, no. I've made covenant. I've saved you so that through you, I can, you would bear witness of me to the nations and the nations would come, those who I'm calling would come to me. Well, that's true for us today. Because we can settle into that, right? I mean, we're all packed here, you know, in this beautiful ministry center. This is nice, right? The doors are shut. All the craziness is out there. I know you. I'm safe with you. I can go in your backyard and do a a bonfire and I know that you're not going to do anything crazy. At least not too crazy. Uh, I know that we can go have a meal together and we're fine. You know, we got this lingo, right? We can use certain words. We just get comfortable. We can go deep. We can grow as Christians. But God wants us to go out to the nations, the very people we would say, oh, the eunuch? Forget the eunuch. He can't come into the temple. The foreigner? Oh, no, 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 no. No, he wants to thrust us out. By the way, this is why missions is so important. This is why it's so important. Because if we lose that, I think we lose the heart of the Bible. I think we lose the heart of the gospel. Okay? All right. So in our notes, here's the point we're trying to make here. We pray because God has united us to himself. So the first point that we want to make here this this evening is that our prayers are fueled by the fact that God has saved us. Look at the text again. Verse 1 of Isaiah 56. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness will be revealed. So remember, he's writing this to whom? A people who are in exile. Try to stay with me for a second. Isaiah Isaiah is like one of those movies that goes backwards and forwards in time, right? I always get confused on those movies. Like, where are we here? But, but Isaiah is prophetic. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are in exile, and, and God is saying, I'm going to save you. I'm, for, for them, it means I'm going to bring you back to the land. And so what he's saying is, God is saying, I'm saving you. Right, my righteousness has been revealed Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who keeps it fast, who keeps the Sabbath. And now look at verse 3. Here here comes the foreigner. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Listen, that means he cannot have children. You understand what a eunuch is, right? Those people were forbidden from going near God's temple. And God says, Don't. The foreigner, don't say you're separated. The eunuch, don't say you're separated. By the way, a Jew would be freaking out when they're hearing this. When Isaiah is giving this prophecy, they're going, no way, buddy. What are you doing? You're compromising the church. You're letting the world in. You're letting the eunuch in. You're letting the foreigner in. God says, no, that's my plan. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath. That's just a fancy way of saying the eunuchs in covenant with God. We know that we're in covenant with God in Christ. So it's not a workspace uh, righteousness. It's one who knows the Lord who chose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. We know we hold fast the covenant because he holds us fast. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. 
If you're a eunuch, you are shamed. If you're, a bar- if you're a woman and you're barren, you are shamed in that culture because you can't have children. God says, I'm going to give you my salvation, you who's rejected by everybody else, and that's better than sons and daughters. Look what he says next in, in verse 5. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Guys, that is foreshadowing the name of Jesus, and we have that name. We're Christians. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him. What? That word there in the Hebrew alludes to Levites. Wait a second. Now, not only is the foreigner coming into the temple, he's a priest ministering to God. Yes, because it was always God's will that we would all be priests, a kingdom of priests. Now, what I hope you're, you're with me on this is I'm, I'm appealing to you that you pray because God has united himself to you, himself, you to himself. You and I are the eunuchs. You and I are the foreigners. You and I are the unclean. You and I are the ones that have no hope. We're dried up. We have nothing. We're barren. We're failures in God's eyes. But he says, come on, come on. And not only am I going to allow you in the temple, you're going to actually minister to me like a priest would. It doesn't fall on us like it would a Jew, trust me. All right, It'd be like bringing a guy off the street and having him preach right now. I mean, in one sense, that's ridiculous. Although he might do a better job than I'm doing right now. But in another sense... That's the God can redeem the unredeemable. God can save the unsavable. God can bring fruit to that person or thing that is barren, and that's to you and me. That motivates us to pray. Do you see that? Look at look at look what it says in six. Not only to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. What he's saying is that he's going to give them a heart for himself. So that prayer comes out of this heart because I love God. Look at seven. These I will bring to my holy mountain. Who are these? The foreigner, the eunuch, the one that no one thought could go to the holy mountain. Okay, These I will bring to my holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. See, I think, I think that's the thing that the Spirit does. It, it, my prayer is that we would pray and receive the joy of the Lord in praying, but doing it corporately. Remember what I said at the beginning. That doesn't mean we don't, doesn't mean we don't pray individually. Yes, we do. But there's a joy when we pray corporately. And when that happens, we're going to start evangelizing with zeal. And the culture of Palm Vista is going to change by the glory of the Lord. The one that was barren, so to speak, is going to become fruitful. And it's the hand of the Lord. It's because we love the Lord. Because he united us. I wouldn't love the Lord if he didn't unite himself to me. That's what the Bible teaches me. But he did. So we pray because... He has united himself to us. Point two. We pray because God uses us to unite others to himself. So this is verse seven. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. All that means is they will be made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. The burnt offerings and the sacrifices in Isaiah 56 point to Jesus. That passage is fulfilled in Christ, period. Don't go 
crazy on me and think, oh, what are the burnt offerings and sacrifices? No, no. It's pointing to Jesus. So, so they are accepted by God because he saved them in Christ. And that's them when he says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples or for the nations. Now, that's the title of this, of this class. That's why it's missional. I think this is the heart of God. From the very beginning, God said, I'm going to bless the nations through you, Abraham. And the whole Old Testament is, where is that one that's going to be born of the loins of Abraham, that Jew who will be the Messiah? Everybody assumed it would be just for the Jews. Everybody assumed the salvation is ethnic. You have to be born a Jew to be saved. God here is saying, no, no, no. Salvation is, I'm sovereign in salvation. Salvation is based on Jesus Christ. And my people are saved to go bear witness of me because I have other people. That's what Israel missed. And then verse 8. The Lord God. That's a powerful term right there. The Lord God. Who gathers the outcasts of Israel. Now, some would say those are the Israelites that are in exile. Some would say those are the Israelites that have broken covenant. Okay, again, Isaiah goes back and forth in the timeline. But listen to this next line. I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Guys, that's us. That's the nations. That's the people that God has. We call them, the Bible calls them, his elect. We pray because God has called us, united us to himself. God says, I'm going to put in you a love for me. I'm going to put in you a desire to obey my will. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Do you remember? Of course you do. That's right. Our Father, so that speaks of relationship. All prayer is birth of relationship. It's not a, you know, I got to do this to be right with somebody so I can get out of town. No, it's our Father. And then what's the, who? All right, so he's all powerful. And then what's, and then the next one is, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. So, so I think our corporate prayer is around God's will. God's will is to reach the nations with the gospel. God's will is to use his people, formerly outcast, formerly rejected, to then go and proclaim the gospel. And this is what Israel missed. May we not miss it. May we not miss it. We have the privilege of salvation. And we understand that this salvation is for all of God's people throughout the nations. We refuse to think that it is only for us as the religious Jews did in Jesus' day. That Matthew 21, 13 passage. We pray because God has united us to himself. And we pray because God uses us to unite others to himself. So, how is Palm Vista Community Church a house of prayer for the nations. Well, on the back of your notes, here are here's the 2019 plan of action, okay? First of all, the 2019 plan of action is God's mission which is in scripture. Hopefully, you'll study for yourself Isaiah 56. I think it's there. I think I think Jesus is talking about that when he's saying what he said in the temple. Lessons 2 and 3, we're going to expand on this and some of the other things Jesus said. But here's what we're going to do in 2019. Number 1, We're going to pray as a church at 1030 on Sunday mornings. Here's what I would say to you. No guilt. 
This is not, I'm going to close my eyes so you can't, I'm not even going to look at anybody, okay? Make every effort to be there. Why? Because we had this vision that praying corporately is powerful. We're going to see this in lessons two and three. Like the spirit would fall on God's people in Acts and the place would be shaken. And usually the result of that wasn't some really cool religious experience. Man, that was so great. It's like going to a concert. You know, all right, God, perform for me. It's just all about me. I just want to feel, I just want to feel God, man. I'm empty. It's been a rough week, you know. No, it's not not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. You know what they did? They went out and boldly proclaimed the gospel for which they were persecuted. That is what it's all about. There's this power that I think we cannot experience simply praying alone. There's a power that's experienced praying corporately. So my appeal to you is, as much as you can, get there on time and pray with us. You know what I would love to see? Whoever goes up on that pulpit to pray, and we'd like others to pray. If you want to pray on Sunday mornings, let me know. Seriously, if you have a burden, I would love people to come in burdened to pray. I would love us to start praying and the Holy Spirit fall upon us. I'm not looking for an experience, but I'm not negating experiences. I'm not saying we all fall down and start screaming, but it may happen. But actually, you know what the experience I'm looking for is? That we go busting out of those doors and proclaim the word of God boldly. I mean, that's what the Bible's talking about. You know, there's also times where people are really experience God and they hit the deck. Okay, fine. I'm just saying, let's not just script it. Let's have faith for it. To pray for the nations. Okay. Secondly, prayer in our small group meetings during the week. I think we do this. I know in my community group, and we're praying a lot, and uh, that's appropriate. There may be other small groups, youth, um, they equip, um, 20-somethings. You know, different small groups, all right? Next, this is the new one. Corporate prayer on the fourth Wednesday of the month at the ministry center from 7.30 to 9. So we're going to institute every month. We don't have a community group on the fourth Wednesday. We're going to pray here. Whoever wants to come, you know, may the spirit fall upon us. May we be emboldened for witness, all right? So that'll start in January, which we're in January. Uh, and then prayer, when we meet together one-on-one, I, I was with someone last night doing just a brother-on-brother, how you doing? Let's share the word. How's it going? How can I pray for you? How can I pray for me? We were at a restaurant, and we just stopped. It just felt like the Holy Spirit told us to stop, and we just started praying. I don't know what the people were doing. I mean, you know, I met with Gary Beecham this morning. We were talking about some worship team stuff, and we were at Starbucks, man. And if you've ever been around Gary, Gary prays a long time, which I, I like. And we were praying a long time at Starbucks. I could feel people walking by me. All right, let's do that. And then finally, private prayer each and every day alone. So here's the deal, folks. We're in a prayer meeting right now. We've just moved from you listening to the scriptures to now we're going to pray together. So this is what I want to say. Uh, while we're praying, if you want to walk around, feel free to walk around. If you want to sit at Corey's desk and mess up his computer, go for it. Um, if, you, if you need to use the restroom, there's a the restroom. If you want to get something to drink, get something to drink. We're just going to spend about 10 minutes right now praying. And here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for the nations. So I put these nations down because, well, I did pray about it. But I think it makes sense. I mean, Costa Rica, we're sending a team there. Mexico, I just have a burden for Mexico, guys. 
I read an article today where there's these incredible gasoline shortages in Mexico because the narcos are, are uh, stealing gas. And so the new president has shut down pipelines. I've been to Mexico City. That place is tough, man. There's no gas. People are suffering. When I see those people coming into our country, these are poor, broken people. So I want to pray for our Mexican brothers and sisters. I want to pray for Nicaragua. There's, we, we were with Tony Ellswick uh, just um, last Wednesday, and he was telling us the sad story of Nicaragua. Friends, Nicaragua is broke. All the tourism, all the, uh, the, the, the commerce, I almost said negocios, all the commerce, everything is just shut down. Um, and, and, and Westerners even are under attack. So it's a sad time for Nicaraguans. I want to pray for Cuba. Obviously, a lot of us have a heart for Cuba. I'll be going there in March. And I want to pray for Chile. I just felt the Lord put that on my heart. Pray for Chile. So pray out loud. Pray as the Spirit leads you. Pray whatever God leads you to pray. We're going to pray for about 10 minutes. Okay? And then I will conclude us. So church, let's pray.